0: Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I'm reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1968. It is titled Eternal States. Alright, so Neville told his audience, sit quietly and ask yourself who you are, where you are, and what you are. Your answers will reveal your state of consciousness, your body of belief. Paul said, we do not look to the outer things, but to the things unseen. For the outer things are transient, but the unseen things are eternal. Your beliefs seen by the mystic are personified. They form a state which completely controls your behavior. Anything or any modification within your body of belief will result in a change in your outer world. Blake tells us, eternity exists and all things in eternity independent of creation, which was an act of mercy. By this you will see that I do not consider either the just or the wicked to be in a supreme state, but to be every one of, every one of them uh, states of the sleep, which the soul may fall into in its deadly dreams of good and evil, when it leaves paradise following the serpent. <clears throat> now, Blake uses the word Mercy. Only as one who sees the states are eternal that in that in God's mercy he created all things not just a few so that any situation which can be conceived already exists in eternity. When Blake said eternity exists and all things in eternity independent of creation, which was an act of mercy. He meant that everything you see is dead, a part of the eternal structure of the universe. You are its operant power. When you enter seeing, scene, it becomes animated. Then you become lost in your own animation and think it is independent of your perception. Looking at it, you cannot believe you are causing the animation, but you are. You and I are living souls buried in a world of death. We are destined to be life-giving spirits through an act of mercy. But until that time, we animate what we perceive. Questioning self, Blake asks, O miserable man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? May I tell you, no earthly power can do it, only God. Peter tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his great <clears throat> excuse me, mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is true, for only by God's act of great mercy can we be born anew. Now buried in a world of eternal death, you are animating dead forms, believing they are independent of your perception of them. This you will continue to do until God's great mercy awakens Jesus Christ within you. If Christ was not buried in you, he could not awaken in you. And if he is not in you, he could not emerge from you. Therefore, like Paul, you carry in your body the death of Jesus. It is the tomb in which he is buried. His awakening delivers you from a body of death. But until that time, you must, live in, you must live in and adjust to the dead body you wear. Now, until you are born from above, you operate the power which gives life to this world. For the world is a dream filled with dead scenery, <clears throat> while you are Proteus. As you enter the scene, you cause the parts to be made alive. Not knowing this, you think there are others and fight the shadows of your own being. All things exist in the human imagination, and all phenomena are solely produced by imagining. Where there is no imagining, everything vanishes. If lack is now in your world and you cease to be aware of it by imagining plenty, lack disappears. Therefore, any modification in your body of belief will cause a change in your life. Now embedded in death, we resurrect into life by the act of mercy. Scripture calls this transformation Jesus Christ, for it is he who is buried in us. And when he awakens and rises, we are born from above, thereby setting us free from this body of death. Until that moment in time, you can enter a state, partake of it, and move on to another. This is how it is done. Although I am living here in Los Angeles, I desire to be in New York City. While lying on my bed tonight, I close my physical eyes to the room surrounding me and assume I am, New York- I am in New York City. Then I ask myself these questions. If I were now in New York City, what would I see? Would I think of Los Angeles as 3,000 miles to the west of me? Where are my friends and loved ones? How are my finances now that I am here? Then I would answer these questions carefully and fall asleep in New York City. Now, an assumption is an act of faith, and without faith it is impossible to please God. By faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God, so that things seen were made out of things that do not appear. Someone looking at my physical body would see me sleeping in Los Angeles, yet I would be sleeping in New York City. For I am all imagination and must be where I am imagining myself to be. By this action, I am adjusting myself imaginatively to a state, a desire to objectively realize And if I have imagined with conviction by giving New York City all of the sensory vividness of reality, things will immediately begin to happen to compel me to make the journey. I do not imagine lightly anymore because I now know every imagined act will come to pass. When I first stumbled upon this principle, I thought it was stupid. The idea that imagining creates reality was nonsense. How could anyone believe a thing and a being without any external evidence to support it? How could any imaginal act be the causative fact, which fuses and projects itself? Although I did not believe it could, I imagined and got that which I did not want. So I acquaint you now with what I know about this principle of imagining and lead you to your voice and its risk. There is always a risk, for you may not want what you have imagined after you get it. So I warn you to select wisely. Do you know what you want from life? You can be anything you want to be if you know who you are. Start from the premise. I am all imagination and pass-through states. For eternity, all things exist now. Having experienced a state and moved into another one, you may think the former state has ceased to be, but all states are eternal. They remain forever. Like the mental traveler that you are, you pass through states either wittingly or unwittingly, but your individual identity is forever. Whether you are rich or poor, you retain the same individual identity when you move from one state into another. If you are not on guard, you can be persuaded by the press, television, or radio to change your concept of self and unwittingly move into an undesirable state. You can move into many states and play many parts, but as the actor, you do not change your identity. When you are rich, you are the same actor as when you are poor. These are only different parts you are playing. You annexed your physical body for the experiences you are now having, but you are not the body you wear. The day will come when you will awaken to this fact. Then, like Proteus, you will assume any shape for the part you want to play. If it takes a fish, you will be a fish. If it takes a man, you will be a man. For that is who God is. Learn to adjust your senses to what you desire to be. Just as I moved to New York City, you can move into the state of wealth, fame, or any state you desire. Determine what it would feel like and adjust your thinking by assuming you are feeling it now. Look at your world mentally. Your present level of objective fact may be the same as it were before. But in your imagination, hear your friends congratulate you on your good fortune. Then, believe in the reality of this unseen experience. Like Paul, look not to things seen, but to things unseen. For the things seen are temporal, while the things unseen are eternal. Two hundred years ago, Blake made the statement, Eternity exists in all things in eternity, independent of creation, which was an act of mercy. 3,000 years ago, the unknown writer of Ecclesiastes said it even more beautifully. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing for which it is said this is new? It it has been already in ages past, but there is no remembrance of things to come after. Among those who will come later. This past year, one of our great physicists, Professor Richard Feynman of Caltech, said the same thing, yet not as beautifully as Blake or the unknown author of Ecclesiastes. This is what Professor Feynman said, The entire space, time, history of the world is laid out, and we only become aware of increasing portions of it successfully. For this, Professor Feynman received the Nobel Prize and maybe $50,000, while Blake, who saw it mystically and recorded it poetically, went to an unmarked er, pauper's grave. Professor Feynman based his conclusion on his study of the disintegration of the atom. Noticing the peculiar behavior of a little positron when placed in fluid, he realized that the entire space-time history of the world is already laid out and man only becomes aware of portions of it su- successful, er, successively. <coughs> Excuse me. I have seen the same thing in vision and know that the world is dead. I have entered a room, such as this, to discover that I am the spirit animating it. By arresting the activity in me that caused the scene to become alive, everything froze. The waitress walked not, The birds flew not. The diners dined not. Then I knew that when I released its activity in me, everything and everyone would continue to complete their intention, releasing my power. The waitress completed the serving. The bird flew to the limb of the tree, and the grass began to wave, as a leaf which was arrested in space fell to the ground. Now I know... I am the center of creative power. The day will come when you, or when you too, will awaken and exercise your creative power knowingly. That is our destiny. For we all will awaken as God and use this power to create in the true sense of the word. Try to remember that there is no limit to God's creative power or your power of belief. Persuade yourself that things are as you desire them to be. Fall asleep in that assumption, as that is your act of faith. Tomorrow the world will begin to change to make room for the garment of your assumption. If it takes one person or 10,000 to aid the birth of your assumption, they will come. You will not need their consent or permission because the world is dead. And what would be the purpose in asking dead people to help you? Simply know what you want, animate the scene, and those playing their parts will begin to move towards the fulfillment of your desire. Try it before you pass judgment upon it. I know it doesn't make sense, but it will prove itself in performance, and then it will not matter what the world thinks. If there is evidence for a thing, does it really matter what someone else thinks about it? I encourage you to try it, for if you do, you will not fail. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, so there we have Neville Goddard's lecture from 1968 titled Eternal States. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you all next time. Bye now.